You are listening to Your Pod and Your Staff, the podcast of College Life Christian Fellowship at UC Davis. I am Peter Nittler, the college pastor of First Baptist Church in Davis, California, and our mission is to shape college-age people from all spiritual starting points into complete and equipped agents of King Jesus. And on this podcast, we want to have conversations that will accompany our Tuesday night Zoom gatherings, and we hope that they form you, encourage you, maybe even make you laugh, and that they would be a source of King Jesus guiding you through this time. And we are in our third and final week of a three-part miniseries on relationships, and I keep saying we'll be talking about romance, dating, and sex. And maybe you've been wondering, where's the sex talk? Well, look no further. Okay, Joe and Jenny Biggs are on the show this week, and it wasn't necessarily the plan to almost exclusively talk about the physical aspect of relationships, but talk about it we did. And I'm really excited for you to listen to it. This arena is one of the things that I hear the most questions about, or I hear the most heartache over and sense the most confusion, and it doesn't help that we generally are pretty scared to talk about it. And that's the beauty of Joe and Jenny. They're not scared to talk about much. And I think and I hope that their story is super helpful. So if you've ever wondered about physical boundaries, why they matter, if they matter, what happens when you break them, how you set them, how they relate to a sex life after marriage, all I'm saying is if you've ever had any questions at all in that universe of topics, please listen to this episode. You're going to love it. And the wonderful bonus is that you're going to get to experience the laughter and delight of a couple who loves each other 27 years into a great marriage. And that's always something worth listening for. So without further ado, let's talk about sex, baby. Enjoy the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to your pod and your staff. It is good to be uh, back here on in your ears, and it is nighttime. It's my first time ever recording at nighttime, which I feel like this is when musicians play at coffee shops. This is when things just get a little, you know, loosey-goosey. So we'll see what's said on this podcast. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Uh, we have the uh, elder states people of the, this little college, <laughs> this little college life relationship series. Two Davis institutions, specifically FBC Davis institutions, Joe and Jenny Biggs, are on the podcast today. Can you say hello to your to your many fans? Hello, hello. I was hoping for like a little uh, background applause noise or something. Can oh, that man, be edited in? in? I that's mean, piped okay. in later. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's what they're doing at home listening. I just wanted to hear it myself. Yeah, I, I am sorry that we didn't hide this better, but we went from young to old in our little preaching plan here. And so I'm proud to be almost 50. I don't think it's a bad thing. Are you almost 50? You don't yeah. see it. You do not see it. Joe's already 50. <laughs> really? Well, that actually makes some sense. You guys, in, in like, what, five years, we'll get to go to the movies for cheap? I mean, please. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want that? The the, uh, the AARP has already started sending me stuff. <laughs> Now they're not going to want to listen to this podcast at all. They're like, they can't see us. Senior citizens. (laughs) Speaking of the movies, Joe, I remember there was nobody else that I knew who took advantage of the short-lived and greatest experience of our lives as MoviePass than than you. And even made it on your Christmas card, if I remember. Yeah, I put them out of business (laughs) single-handedly. You and me both. Yeah. Well, okay, here's the deal. I'm excited to have you guys on the podcast for a few reasons. One is that this is going to sound strange, but it's something that I have felt about you guys for a while, is that you're just 
unashamedly married, I guess, is a weird thing to say. I don't exactly know what I mean by that, but that, that you love each other and you seem to really like each other too. And and what, one thing yes. that I have always noticed about both of you is that you really celebrate the other person and you celebrate the other person for who they are. You know, I think that you guys have sometimes different demeanors. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fair. And but you let each other have those different demeanors, which I just think is really, really great. And so I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I know you both used to do youth ministry in unofficial roles and official roles at FBC. And yes. uh, Joe, you were on staff when I started on staff, and then you left, and then Jenny came in. And the better bigs, your role. <laughs> the better bigs yeah. took no. over. She staged a coup yeah. in her big coup. <laughs> I did. Why don't you become a teacher again? I'd like to be the youth pastor for a year. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Did you know that I applied for that job after Jenny? Did you have any idea about that? I did not know that. I did not get the job. Interesting. Yeah. Which means I'm like 0 for 1 on applying for jobs. <laughs> Wait, you didn't apply for the job you have now? They just changed, well, they just changed the I, title? Dan was in there, and then I did stage a coup. Okay, I just right. I, I planted some evidence, got him out of there, and, and made a made my way. But yeah, I did not get the job. Very glad for Neil to have got the job. Now I got a great coworker, and I have a better job. So anyway, well, <laughs> we'll leave that. For Wait you. for it. We'll let you and Neil Wait for it. it out. So okay, let me ask you this question before we get started. Um, how long have you been married? What year is it now? Two thousand and twenty-one, year of our Lord. Uh, that would be twenty-seven years, twenty-eight this July. That's right. So you got married when I was potentially one. You could have been our baby, Peter. <laughs> I could have been your illegitimate child. That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Here's the most important question I'm going to ask all evening. Wow. Right at the beginning. So, you're, not saving yeah, it. you're not saving your big guns? Now I'm afraid. I have a tendency to bury the lead, and I'm not doing that this time. Okay? Okay. This is the most important question. So they're going to so, stop listening in about three minutes. Yeah. I've seen pictures... <laughs> I've seen pictures of you from when you were younger, and one of the obvious, most conspicuous elements of those pictures is that Joe has a much fuller head of hair. In fact, he has some hair on his head. And as someone whose hairline is receding in a way that I'm not pleased about, my question to you, Jenny, is if you knew then what you know now about Joe and his hair situation, would you have continued on in the relationship? Oh my gosh, I think he's like 100% hotter now. <laughs> Without the hair and with the goatee, holy crap. Come on, he looks like a bad bleep. <laughs> I love it. Do you? Is that, so, have yes. you learned to love it? or, or No, that... as soon as he shaved all his hair off and had facial hair, I was like, mm-hmm, that's cute. More than cute, I really like it. Interesting. So yes, the answer is yes. Embrace it. I mean, Embrace everyone's it, got friend. hair. Yeah. Who's bald with a goatee? Joe and Mr. Clean, kind of. That's true. Joe, your goatee is probably five inches off of your, four inches off your face. Yeah. I haven't shaved it since uh, Nolan and Vanessa's wedding. If you guys know Nolan and Vanessa O'Brien, who Vanessa oh, yeah. works at the church. And that was in May. That was Labor Day. Not Labor Day. Memorial Day. I always get those mixed up. I do too. Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I have hope for, for my marriage that Katie will not um, become disillusioned when I when my hairline recedes so far that it here's the key mm-hmm. peter is just don't let it don't let it like spiral around on top like a plate of spaghetti forever when it gets that way you shave it off don't do the big comb overs just the whole thing that's actually she advocates for that too she does not want to pull the sack yeah she, she would rather just go have, for it yeah the mr clean look so 
That's good. That's good. She'll be glad to Tell hear us that. how you feel, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> it's our difference in personality. Well, before we get go any further, I just want to retrace our steps. What we're doing in this little three-week series is we're talking about relationships, romance, dating, even marriage, and you know, normally in college life, we've done a pretty robust, analytical, theological um, conversation about this, where the books have been read and studies have been read and theses have have been drawn. And this is just a little bit of a different kind of conversation. We are mining for wisdom via stories and lived experience. And so far, uh, Christian and Olivia have given us some great things to think about and wrestle with. Brant and Onda have gotten really vulnerable with us and um, telling us about their relationship. And I, I do feel and I do sense from college students that I'm talking to that it's doing what we hope for, that there's wisdom being given um, even just through the wrestling with this stuff. And so I'm hoping that the conversation just gets furthered with, with your story. It's all about and, to come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Stop. We'll be... Hey, two for two for three is a good night at the ballpark. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's a good batting average. <laughs> so anyway, can you just give us a little glimpse of how your relationship started and we'll see where we go from there? Who do you want to tell the story, Peter? Whoever does it better. Joe will start at the real beginning. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if I find this to be true or 1978, not. Nineteen seventy eight. Peter Nittler, nineteen seventy eight. Uh I was dead. Then. I was in I was second dead. grade and there was a new girl that came to my elementary school and was in my class and my friend and I asked her friend and her to play a board game with us because I thought she was cute and that that girl was Jenny Ruth who is now Jenny Biggs so I played the long game I'm I'm sure it happened I played the long game (laughs) Right. He likes to tell people second that in second grade, grade, he knew that I would be his wife and he just grade. waited all those years. He made his first move pawn yep. to the second a, square. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very odd Chicago accent when I moved to California. And Were had you a from Chicago? Time. You're from Illinois? Uh, just we lived there three years when yeah. I was a kid. But enough of, I mean, second, first and kindergarten, enough of my early talking years that I sounded weird. Duh, so. bears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's the beginning. Yeah. So what game was it? I don't remember that. Peter, I okay. was smitten. I don't remember the game. <laughs> I don't even yeah. remember her stupid accent. I just remember, wow. <laughs> well, that is She a, has you, braids and freckles. She was yeah. second grade cute. That's oh, awesome. That's pretty good. So you I had I no know. idea that you that you went back that far. Well then, yeah. so then after the fact, neither of us remembered this, but after the fact, we figured out that we were in a carpool together to our middle school youth group. Like we were often in the car together going to youth group, but we, neither of us remember that. We've only figured it out because we know That's right. who else was in the car. Because I had a massive crush on his neighbor, Kyle. Oh, And Kyle. so I remembered and I would tell him about riding with Kyle. And he's like, I was in that carpool. Are you serious? You don't even remember me? And people didn't have bands then. So we were just you in like a me. gigantic a Buick LeSabre. Yeah, a Buick LeSabre. How's Kyle's oh, no. head of hair right now, by the way? I don't know. We yeah, follow no, him I haven't stayed in touch with Kyle. No, no, nope. <laughs> He's probably not listening. To yes, this. so that's but he lives down the street we... from my parents. Wow. Yeah. Still, yeah. yes. Anyway, then we re we were in the same youth group all through. But again, our youth group was like a hundred people, so we didn't we knew of each other, and we were in classes together all through junior high and high school. But we don't really remember each other. So apparently, it wasn't that smitten. I was going to say, yeah, the smittenness really died off. It was latent. Yeah. I see. Late, yes. 
Yeah, so Leighton he started dating someone else really seriously game. for like a year. Guess and what half. her name was, Peter? <laughs> Jenny? Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jenny Bedell. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I dated so, Jenny Bedell for eighteen months. Did you really? What? When? When? When is this? Catch so up. we started dating. Line? She was a year older than me. We started dating when I was a junior, the beginning of my mm-hmm. junior year, and Jenny knew Jenny. Okay. Um, we were all in the same youth group. Yeah. In fact, the first Jenny probably knew Jenny Ruth, who is now my wife, Jenny Biggs, uh, knew her better than I did for sure. Because again, the only interaction that I really remember was back in the second grade. Okay, 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 okay. See, but Peter, this is how I think it really helped us start dating is that it was like the safety, right? Because he's dating someone else. And I dated a few other people during that time. (laughs) And so we shut up he's i can see him on the screen and he's laughing because he knows but it, a few hey that's that's uncalled for i think three anyway so it was like safe to get to know each other as friends because he had a girlfriend serious girlfriend i had sometimes a boyfriend and so we were like safe to be just best friends and so we actually got really 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 close as best friends because oh, the other Jenny went away to college. Ah. Yeah. So we were still dating, but it was long distance dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this but Jenny swooped in. She was the one. I didn't one. mean to. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like him. I promise. I didn't like him like that too at much all. You had too much hair. Yeah, too that's much right. Hair. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but then we became really best friends. And I remember thinking one day, gosh, when Joe gets married to Jenny someday, this other Jenny, we need to, me and my person need to like live next door so we can still see each other every day. And then I was like, mm, uh, yeah, what? Wait, That's weird. Maybe I want to live in the like same him. house as him. Actually. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's where it turned. And, but I honestly do think not that this is great, the way that things ended with he and his girlfriend or the way that we got so emotionally close. Like right. If, if I was married right now and he had a friend as close as I was to him back then while he was dating the other girl, I'd be like, get out you yeah, can't yeah, live here done. anymore i mean we were so so close as friends yeah. but that really allowed us i don't know how many people get this opportunity to at the beginning just not worry about the romance or the physical or anything because right. we were just good friends so that was a great foundation the day we're recording this is the same day we had like the zoom and consume like the lunch bunch after at the talk and brant nanda spoke this last week and they were able to come to zoom and consume whatever so they were asking questions and i was reflecting on how when Katie and I started dating, sorry, before we started dating, I had a crush on this other girl, and I thought that one of my better friends in the ministry liked, or I knew that he liked Katie. And so before I knew Katie, I knew that my friend liked her, so she was sort of off limits, right? And, oh, yeah. And so we spent a ton of time together. We had a class schedule that just lined up that, like, we just always had an hour every Monday, Wednesday, Friday that it was sort of just the two of us are hanging out. But, like, oh, I like yeah. this other person. I didn't even really consider Katie because she was sort of quote unquote, like, you know, my friend was interested in her. So that wasn't quote unquote, right? that was just the truth. But, and, <laughs> and so we, there was none of the, do I like her? Does she like me? It was just able to be friends. And I'm like, yeah. how do you replicate that? You know, I was telling people, it's like, I don't feel like our story is helpful in terms of like, Hey, here's how you should do this. Cause it's like, go find someone who's dating someone else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like no, date someone that you don't care about <laughs> yes. a lot so that, you can see who actually catches your eye during that time. As a I friend. know that's it's bad so advice. Weird. By the way, that was yes. That was uh, yeah, <laughs> ha ha sarcastic. No, but I do um, think yeah. that there's something to that. Like that, you know, we're so often trying to architect 
romantic relationships, you know, yeah. and so many people have stories that just blow that up in the water. Not that yeah. it's a way that you would want to enter into the relationship if you were planning it, but it's but it's just that that you would never plan it the way that it actually turns out. Right. Right. And so Brant and Onda mentioned that if they could sort of re-engineer their story, they would have wanted to have been friends longer before they started dating. Mm. But you were both friends. You were friends for yeah. a long time, it sounds like, and good friends. And so you have sort of the opposite story where you were really good friends who then started dating. So can you talk a little bit about like when you went from friends to dating? <laughs> yeah, we still found ways to jack that up, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 hear it. Oh God! So, so many stories. So we we told each other that we liked each other while I was still dating the other girl, mm. and uh, then I said we can't be friends because Jenny this was isn't very work. dramatic, and yeah, and is and still is, but and, and is but was dramatic on steroids back then. <laughs> it, I mean, and to be fair, my relationship with this other girl was not going well, but I did. We didn't handle, or I didn't handle it well. That's my responsibility. Because, you know, after having this conversation with Jenny where we both kind of confessed that we were attracted to each other and wanted to be more than friends, I just called my girlfriend in San Diego and told her, you know, that we were done. And On the phone, y'all. Hey, um, hey. It's, it's, which now it's fine. Because yeah, I didn't text, text her, but we didn't have text yeah. back then. So I did about as <laughs> bad of a job of it as I could have. Well, what were you gonna do? Were you gonna? Were you supposed to wait till she comes home? No, I don't know what. Maybe. I don't know what the right thing to do was. The point is, I wasn't willing to wait, even if that gotcha. was the wise course of action. Gotcha. And so, you know, in my in my eighteen year old mind, I was doing things right because I broke up with the one girl before things got officially romantic with the other. But mm -hmm. the reality was, you know, looking back, and I'm obviously I was able to admit it later on, was that there was overlap, right? Where I was at right. least being emotionally unfaithful, uh, you know, to the girl I was dating, if not, you know, what, yeah, whatever you want to call that. I don't know. Interesting. But anyway, but we started, we started dating at the end of our senior year, and it took our friendship, which was very kind of even keeled and very solid. And I feel like it just made our relationship much more. You can't see that. You can't see what I'm. They're not going to be able to see what I'm doing right <laughs> now. They're not going to be able. To, he's doing. He's doing waves of mo waves yeah. of mercy, Wave, waves of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just made our really big it waves. Made our relationship very rocky. Can you describe a little bit of what what some of those peaks and valleys felt like? Like what made it rocky, and how did you how did you experience the rockiness? Part of it was our physical boundaries just like uh, exploded. Yeah. And so there was this constant kind of cycle of crossing boundaries that then we regretted and then we'd try to be good, you know, so right. to speak. And then maybe we'd be good for a while and then boundaries would be crossed again. And that just added an aspect to the relationship that was never there before, you know, so mm -hmm. it was pressure and difficult and would cause tension. So was it a pretty general sense an arbitrary sense that you were crossing lines or did you have conversations where you said here are our boundaries that then were crossed or was it sort of like oh I just have a sense that this is too much I feel like growing up in the the youth group in the church that <laughs> this was a very very narrow and shallow expression of physical you know being healthy with your body in a relationship but I was just like no sex that's it yeah, you know yeah. like that's the line. 
And I feel like we did pretty good with that, yeah. but we just, it was like about a year and a half. And then Joe was at a camp as a counselor and he heard a speaker talking to the junior hires, <laughs> not to him, yeah. <laughs> but he was like, oh crap, we gotta, yeah. we gotta get a handle on this. It's wrecking you know, what we could have. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and we did. I think looking back on it, I just feel like, you know, you go from just wanting, like, I desperately wanted to be around Jenny because I loved being around her. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's, I desperately want to be around Jenny so we can mess around. Yeah. And it's just a bummer that for yeah. me as a young man, like that I couldn't have better balance and a better idea about, Hey, both those things are good. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, they both have their place, but it was so hard to have moderation and, you know, keep everything balanced the way that it should be, I guess. Right. Hey, let me let me ask you this. There is in my time at college ministry, people have asked questions like, hey, if it's not hurting anyone and obviously people are consenting and stuff like this, why is it a big deal? And sometimes I've been a little flat footed. Maybe I've been surprised by the question or I don't know, but I think there's a way I'm going to use a lot of like maybe intense words, but hopefully we can just sort of have the conversation. There's a way of thinking about sin that is like, oh, it's wrong because you're just told not to do it. And so that's why it's wrong. There's another way to think about it where it's wrong because it does bad stuff to you, right. you know, and it pollutes you and that kind of thing. And, and so it's like, even theologically, like we are freed from the penalty of sin, but the pollution of sin is still in us, right? And it's a process of sanctification or whatever it is. So I guess my question is, as much as you can remember, was the negative ramifications of your physical boundary crossing, did you feel like it was like, oh, we just broke the rules and you're not supposed to break the rules? Or did you feel, which maybe you've already spoke to, did you feel sort of the, the negative ramifications of like a life lived unordered or like the negative ramifications of sin sort of like the pollution thing does that make sense oh totally and how, what did yeah, that feel I, like for me yeah. i think that when i especially now when i look back i think that when we were trying to get in more like let's just mess around physically and be connected physically we stopped hanging out with friends as much mm. we stopped hanging out with each other as much like having fun um laughing, talking, joking, going to see a movie, walking around downtown Davis, you know, whatever. We started like our world just started getting smaller, 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 yeah. because that was became more our focus. And at the time, I don't remember thinking that like, oh, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. But I particularly actually remember one time in the summer after senior year, and we were supposed to hang out with some friends and we totally ditched them. Really? Just because, yeah, she we just hot, like ditched Peter. them. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm like, why would we do that? You yeah. know, if we, I don't know. I, it just, so I feel like it did kind of pull the rug out from under our greater world mm -hmm. where good things happen, yeah. you know? So it didn't feel as much like, well, yeah, at the beginning, it felt a lot more like, oh, my gosh, God. I remember praying one time together and crying and being like, what the hell are we doing, yeah. you know? But for just the whole life of it, it it did rob our lives of good things that we wanted to do because, because of our choices. Mm -hmm. Not like God was taking those things away from us. We were. And so that, I think, it was good when we finally kind of made a line in the sand and we're like, here's our line. It's much closer to making out and farther away from yeah. <laughs> having sex. Um, 
and it and it was better because we just we weren't like consumed by yeah. it. I don't know. I felt. Yeah. I mean, and not that you can't. People are going to do whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. right? But I, in general, it wasn't even guilt. It was like, am I just this like baseline person who can't even go out and have fun because I'm like this, 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 I got to focus on this. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I definitely felt like we came back to life after we decided to have that be a more normal percentage and, and go up to the line kind of thing of our lives instead of it being, when can we hide away? Yeah. When can we, you know? Yeah. And I bet you, if you, if you talk to the people that spent time with us back then too, they probably enjoyed being around us when we were better balanced, not because they necessarily knew that's why. Yeah. Right. Um, but just because we were better well-rounded people. Do you feel like this is a sort of a reasonable word picture for it? It's like the physical electricity, the excitement of like the physical stuff of relationship is not inherently bad, right? It's a, obviously it's an exciting thing, a wonderful thing and can play a part in a relationship, right? Even a non-marriage relationship. Right. But it's so powerful and it can cloud your vision. It can cloud your vision of other things that matter for like, should I keep going in this relationship? Right. Yeah. So do you feel like your experience was that you were letting it speak too loudly? Like you were letting that particular part of your relationship have too much of a say in your relationship. This thing that is not inherently bad and and is good, but it's so powerful. It's almost like it has just such a strong gravity that you were sort of sucked into its gravity, even though it's it shouldn't be the only thing that the relationship is all about. But you sort of allowed it to become that. Does that feel accurate? And if not, correcting the image, you know? No, I think that's good. I mean, I yeah. I look back too, and I think, you know, my first serious girlfriend that I was talking about before, we got very physically involved very quickly. And then mm-hmm. it was this whole cycle of, you know, feeling bad and wanting to draw back from that, but then not having the self-control to do that. And so, you know, to have a relationship with Jenny, I mean, I would describe my relationship with Jenny here, the one, the one that's with you. Yeah. (laughs) I'll call her pal. I I called her pal back then because I had to distinguish between the old Jenny and, and the new Jenny. So I called her pal. I would not let him call me Jenny because I thought that he might accidentally be calling me that Jenny, yeah. the ex Yeah, that is so confusing. Remember pal. when I said she was dramatic? That, yeah. that may have been part of it. But <laughs> anyway, no. So, pal, uh, you know, I had that was probably my first really healthy friendship with a girl. Huh. You know, because with my first girlfriend, it's not that we didn't have a friendship, but it just it went from not knowing her at all to, uh, you know, very romantically involved, very physically involved very quickly. Yeah. But I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about just allowing this one part of the relationship to become such the big thing, I feel like, you know, I had this wonderful relationship with this friend, pal. And then all of a sudden, something changes. We say some words. Right. Right. And then it's like, I've switched into a different mode. And now it's all about the physical, or at least that's yeah. what it felt like for me. And so, yeah, yeah there's great power there but it can suck you in, you know, at least it did me. And I think a lot of it is maturity. And I don't know where this fits theologically, but I do think we do learn from our mistakes. And a lot of times we don't know about the dangers of that until we've stumbled on it. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I could sit with a young man and explain what that was like and have that person intellectually be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then actually not do it. Right. 
it sounds like you had a pivot where you were living sort of in the clutches of this physical intimacy. And then it sounds like you're saying there was a line in the sand moment or maybe series of moments. Maybe this will will help it feel like, well, there's got to be some way to gain ground on this without just like succumbing to it and learning from it. Can you paint that picture for us? What that was like? The was it the moment that you had from camp where you're like, "Hey, we got to get a handle on this." Then, then what happened? Like, what made that time stick, so to speak? I remember it as being that we kind of together. Well, number one, I thought he was coming home from camp to break up with me, so I was. He usually off does that over the phone, Jenny. The chain yeah. upset. <laughs> I know, right. but he, but I told him what a terrible move <laughs> yeah. that was, and so he wouldn't have done that. But. We actually, I was already really emotional, um, but but we we actually talked and like just we kind of. It's funny when we were the youth pastors, we would do this with the youth group. Like some people say the lines here, some people say it's there. You know, what do you think God's saying? And kind of work yeah. it out with yourself and with God, and figure out what you're going for here. And so we did that together. And we, I remember, we came up with this phrase that was that we couldn't do anything that to the other one or around the other one that we couldn't rightfully fulfill before God or that led to feelings that we couldn't rightfully fulfill before God. So we had to stop short of the, oh, we can't rightfully do this before God and go all the way back to how does this make you feel? How does it make me feel? If it makes us feel like we want to push forward, then nope, mm. we can't do that. So we, we got pretty much back to nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like then you go while. back to nothing. Yeah. And then... We did, but then we were slowly able to add in, you know, yeah. okay, I think by the time we got engaged, we were making out <laughs> at that point. But no, we could, we could do some stuff, but not, we cut way back. And I also think that's partly because we had gone too far. Yeah. And I think that, again, it's not like it was, it's not like we never stumbled after that or, sure, sure. but it just felt better to be more in control of the relationship as a whole and to feel like that part of the relationship had its place and that gave, just gave room for the other parts of the relationship to, to be front and center again, you know, whether that was spiritual things or having fun together or, you know, just having serious talks about things or whatever, yeah, you know, or hanging out with friends that we both enjoyed being around or separate, you know, even enjoying some relationships separately. That's interesting. So I feel like if some college students came to me and said, here are our boundaries, it's going to be anything that we feel in the moment will make us want to go further. You know, it feels like to me, it's like, you're just going to trick yourself in the moment. Like, right. Have you guys, have you ever used this in a sermon analogy or any of you college life friends listening? And like maybe in high school, you heard this, but our youth pastor always used to tell this story about this girl and her 16th birthday and her parents are going to be away for the weekend and so she's like sweet she invites her boyfriend over they're like spending the night all weekend at her house um they're doing whatever they're like naked up in the room they decide to go down and get sodas out of the fridge <laughs> i've absolutely never heard this you before. haven't no 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 yeah they open the garage door to go out and it's a surprise party for her so her family <laughs> and friends and every freaking person she knows is there while her and her boyfriend come down naked to get something dun, out of the dun, fridge dun. And then he tells a sister story to that about like a married couple and people come over to do like a housewarming party, I think. And they, mm -hmm. same kind of thing happens and they're embarrassed, but they're not ashamed. They're just yeah. embarrassed. And so mm -hmm. I do think there's something about like when we made that thing up, that little phrase was like, 
something that we could rightfully, and I remember he went on to say, you know, God sees you, whatever you're doing. And so would you want God to see you there going into the 16th birthday party or here with the couple in their new home, you know? And so I think that made a big difference to me too, just thinking about, not like God watching me, but just thinking about the difference between shame and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if I can sit there making out with Joe on the UC Davis quad and a friend comes up, I might be embarrassed, but that's it. You know, I'm not. You're talking now? No, I, uh, no, I'd not be embarrassed oh, no, now. Then, 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 oh, I got then you. I, I might have been you, embarrassed. I, I would yeah, not be yeah. embarrassed now. That's the sad yeah. thing. I should be embarrassed because I'm almost 50 and I'm at the UC Davis quad. No, I would not now. Yeah, let's do <laughs> okay, it. Okay, I have COVID though. I would add to that, Peter, if it's okay. That And this is something that I learned much later, but as a pastor, I would do premarital counseling sometimes. And I remember talking to Scott Weeking, one of the other pastors at FBC, like, what do you say when the official line of the FBC premarital counseling is, you know, you shouldn't be having sex before you're married, blah, blah, blah. You know, that whole sort of... Which, on the record, I'm all for. Right, 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 right. right. But I'm just saying, very, very, you know, cut and dried, this is wrong. And I I remember talking to Scott, and I'm like, inevitably, we're going to, I'm going to be talking to couples who are having sex. Right. And so what am I going to say? Like, A, am I going to tell them, no, I'm not going to marry you? B... Am I going to tell them that they should stop from now until they get married? I mean, I, it was very awkward, and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, it sort of seems arbitrary. Yeah. I still totally remember what Scott said that I think is really cool, and that is that being in control and being able to control those urges is something that is a lifelong thing. Yeah. And I remember you know, Scott said to me, it's not like when you get married, you just stop having urges to do things that are wrong in that area, whether it's pornography or, you know, potentially, you know, with another person in an affair. And so, you know, part of the opportunity in dating is to learn to practice self-control. Yep. And that in one sense, for that part of things, it doesn't matter if you've been having sex and then you Mm -hmm. decide to stop at a certain point, because for however long you stop, it's an opportunity to prove to yourself, to prove to your future spouse that you can actually control this part of your life. And so, you know, he, he kind of used the metaphor of you're building muscle, you know, in that area that is right. going to be a lifelong struggle potentially in different ways. And so I remember feeling, not that that didn't make that conversation still awkward with potential sure. couples, but I remember thinking, okay, that actually makes some logical sense. And yeah, I think that for us, when we were making those decisions to kind of pull things back in that area, we maybe didn't know that's what we were doing at the time or that that's part of what was happening when we were making those decisions. But now looking back, I can say, well, we learned how to control ourselves mm-hmm. and to allow other parts of our relationship to flourish because of that. And that was a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because I was even thinking about your experience of dating other Jenny and having that relationship go pretty fast physically, then, you know, in relationship with pal Jenny, and you sort of follow the same pattern. And it's sort of like, those don't seem unrelated to me. You know, it's like you rehearsed it. Like you rehearsed what you were going to do in the next relationship in the the previous one. And Bronwyn has this like illustration that I think she said like, honestly, like six years ago, but it's what I, I think about it all the time, which is an honor as any speaker to have something that someone thinks about all the time. But she was talking about this like elephant highway where there was just, it was like a 
undisturbed patch of land, brush and straw and all that stuff. And these elephants started walking in one direction. And the next time they went that way, they followed their same paths because the the brush was you know packed down. And then the more they walked that way, obviously the more they went the same way because it kept getting more packed down and more packed down until it was a legitimate like highway. So that's just the only way they went. You know, it's sort of just neural mapping, I guess, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like sexual behavior and sexual impulses doesn't just stop when you get married and say, I do, right. you know? And so if you have lived your whole life just saying, yeah, when I approach a situation where I could be deviant sexually and you continue to go down the same road over and over and over and over and over again, even though the context might be different, the impulse towards deviance might be the same. And so you're, you've trained yourself to say yes in those moments, you know? And so it sounds like what you did was you said, no, 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 we are going to blaze a new path. We are going to train our brain to when we come across a chance for deviance, we're not always going to say yes, you know? That's really, really wise. I feel like, Scott, that was a blessing to you and then a blessing to this conversation. But let me ask you this. Okay, this might be a little bit too vulnerable, if and that's okay. If not, we'll, we'll just cut it. But um, I know I've heard a lot of people say, hey, when you get too sort of rules when you're dating – and you sort of train yourself to think all this physical stuff is bad, then when you get married, it's going to be hard to flip the switch and be like, oh, now everything's just, everything within this marriage is fine. I will say that was not my experience. That flipping of the switch was not super difficult. But I'm curious to know how that was for you. Was it hard, like, when you got married to be like, oh, now we don't have to be careful. We don't have to worry about the line. Like, was that like, this is awesome, or was that, hard to flip the switch. I've heard tell of people like I found out well after I was married, especially once I started working with teenagers. And as they got older and got married, I did find out that even people who hadn't crossed boundaries physically, women especially have heard their whole life growing up in youth group, Sunday school, church, sex is bad, basically. Don't right. have sex. Don't yeah, have that's sex. What I'm ta- sex yeah, exactly. is bad. And so then they do have a hard time. I was very blessed to grow up with the parents that I have and with the Joe's laughing (laughs) and with the church that I grew up in that that wasn't really the message it was like this is a beautiful gift beautiful gift beautiful gift wonderful it's the best you're gonna love it but it's better if you can wait longer because you're not mature enough for it right now and because it attaches you to someone like other things don't And so you may get attached to someone who you don't actually really love, but you feel like you do because you're Mm -hmm. intimately connected. So I um, did not struggle with that, but I think it's honestly more because of my upbringing than anything else. And just the way the church. So a picture was painted for you that it was great, but. Yeah, but great, but it's a gift to be careful. Yeah, and we would have in my youth group, we'd have things like this or panels of our leaders. And they were all like, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad, you know, but but don't open it too yeah. soon. We used the word rad too. A we lot did. Back then. We did. Yeah. Rad was was super like tight now. word back anyway, then. Anyway, so yeah, yeah I, I would yeah. say that was not a struggle for me, but I have heard that it totally is. Like people who've been shutting themselves down. And this is the thing that gets me actually, because I'm like, I get men and women are different, but why are we telling girls? No, 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 no. And telling boys, even if they're Christians, a lot of people are told, good job, good job, champ, way to go, you know, and it screws the whole thing up. So that's sorry, soapbox for two seconds, but I just can't stand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like my experience was definitely like, I guess I expected it to be harder to flip the switch to like, oh, everything's okay now. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but anyway, but Joe, did you have, what was your experience like? Uh, I don't think this, <laughs> it was hard to flip the switch. 
I remember that. I don't remember uh, it being so. <laughs> no, maybe a week or so before our wedding. I don't, maybe it was even less than that. Maybe it was just a couple of days. I don't know. Jenny had a conversation with me where she was just like, you know, I'm a little nervous. Oh, yeah. I'm a little nervous about the wedding night. And I just want to broach the subject that if we're exhausted, if I'm not feeling it, if I, if it feels like there's just too much pressure that we just won't have sex the first night. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> no deal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being the, the <laughs> nice man that I was, I, you know, I said, okay, I, I guess that's fine. But I, w- you know, on some level I was not fine with that. That was rather hard for me to swallow. But I, you know, I tried to as much as I could, at least cognitively say that makes sense. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I was very excited about exploring the physical part of our relationship as a married couple, and it was not a difficult transition. I think what what was difficult was when sex doesn't live up to its... That was going to be my next question. You know, what you think it's going to be, and or things go wrong, or, you know, whatever. It, 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 just, it just doesn't always... You're not always on the same level, right? Whether it's... Yeah. Physically, something doesn't work the way it's supposed to at some point or mentally, you know, one of you's in it and one of you's not or whatever. And so I think what was hard was realizing that even as a married couple, we were going to have to talk about this and have some hard conversations sometimes and even circle back around some of the same things. But just realizing that it's not a part of the relationship that just you can put it on autopilot and just let it go. And there's never going to be any maintenance or conversations or things that you're going to need to do to make that part of your life. Right. Working correctly. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that was going to be something I was going to approach next. I don't know how and when this just became sex conversation, but we're rolling <laughs> with it. You know, <laughs> but, uh, we've probably had the most sex of any of the couples, right? That's true. That's true. I hope so. longer at I it. Hope yeah. So. But that's the other thing, because I do feel like the narrative is wait until you're married because it's going to be so good, you know, and it's going to be better than you can imagine. And it's going to be even better when you're committed to each other. Right. That's why you should wait. because It's sort of a pragmatic argument. And this is where one thing that, you know, again, doing college ministry over the years, have a lot of conversations about pornography. And I feel like to me, it feels like one of the most insidious things that that does is that that trains you. Pornography trains you that sex is something that you do at your own pace and when you want and how you want and exactly what you, it's just you, you know, it's, you know, just wish fulfillment. Right. And so when you get married, you're thinking, Oh, this is, you know, I've had conversations with students about this. Like, this is great. Now we can, we're going to have sex every day. It's cause that's what I do anyway. You know, I have sex with myself every day, you know? And, um, and I was like, dude, no, I like, you understand that there's another person with a will who's had a day, you know, and who has lived through something in the day and whatever it is, there's a million different things. We're complex people. You don't just, it's not just masturbation, you know, and, um, and those clashing expectations I think can be really challenging. And so I'm not necessarily asking you to speak on that, but I do think that is something that we, I don't know if it's the, the church needs to think about, but it's like the, this pragmatic telling of like, sex is going to be inherently just so unbelievably good that it'll be sort of worth the wait, you know, which is true, but also it can be complex, you know? 
Right. And I think yeah. it's that when we reduce everything to some sort of binary, which we like to do because then it you can wrap it up nicely and deliver it as, you know, a message to someone, especially young people, then that's the natural thing, right? If you do it right, if you follow all the right steps, then oh, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, while there's truth there, there's no promise that it's not going to be hard or that it's not going to be a part of your relationship that one of you or both of you are going to struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, we're just setting people up for disappointment, like un- yeah. unnecessary disappointment Yeah, when we paint such an oversimplistic picture of that whole part of things. Right. Well, before we wrap up, which we should do um, relatively soon, one thing I'm curious about with you being married for a while and being able to look back, um, I'm curious to know how much of the conflict of your dating relationship has remain consistent in your marriage relationship or how much of the stuff that you appreciated about each other has remained consistent throughout your marriage and how much is it inherently it's growing and changing and you're adding stuff and you're sort of forgetting stuff and any way you could sort of paint a picture of that for us of what of your dating relationship has really traveled with you and created a foundation for your marriage relationship. And I guess maybe one of the reason I, I asked that is because I think we talk so much about the dating relationship being something that tells you whether or not you're ready for marriage, which obviously that makes a lot of sense. But then it's like, it's such a short amount of time compared to how long you hopefully will be married. And so it's, it's almost like how reliable is it, you know? And so I'm sort of curious to know from your experience, how reliable that short period of dating was to tell you how your marriage would be. I think for me, it was huge because I was like a hormonal little brat at the end of high school. (laughs) I just, I was very dramatic and I can still be not like that, but the way that Joe dealt with me then is still the way he deals with me now. Like he's calm and Mm -hmm. steady and he listens, even if it's like ad nauseum about one topic. And he'll sometimes say, all right, you know, we've talked it out. Maybe you go for a walk and pray, or maybe you journal a little bit or whatever, but He's very, very good with my moodiness and my passion Mm. and emotions. And then the other thing I was going to say, and I didn't think of this until, like, I haven't thought about this really in life until tonight while we were talking. But I was thinking about how, yeah, it's really cool to have these little revelations. But I was thinking about how strong our base and therefore then our marriage became when we decided to stop just letting loose with the physical stuff Hmm. because we had to talk about it if we had a fight you know you know like on friends or seinfeld or whatever and they're like makeup sucks it's so great but we never do that or did that because we stopped short from letting physical run our relationship and we really wanted to put our roots down deep in our friendship and so that has stayed like we Hmm. have fun together You know, even if one of us is not in the mood, we're not all pissed. And I mean, we just do something different together because we have a breadth of things that we love to do together, including just be together. And so I think a lot of it has stayed, a lot of the good things. And one thing that I will say is communication was huge for us for the first like nine years of our marriage. Hard to communicate because I want to work things out right this second. And talk it out till we're done. And Joe's yeah. like, Am I, can I be pissed for two hours? Or are you going to follow me around like a puppy? You know. So we <laughs> finally got that together over some really hard discussions. But we knew we had to put in the time. 
-hmm. couldn't gloss over it with makeup sex. Mm -hmm. We had to actually dig into it. And since then, it's been great. You know, so, I mean, not that we never disagree, but at least we're using a better method. And I don't want to hinge all of this on the physical, but I think we learned so much of it in dating. And part of the reason was we didn't let any one thing consume our dating relationship. We covered the the span of things. Man, that is so interesting. It sounds like you're sort of saying, not that you never disagree anymore, but it's, you know how to disagree with each other now. Like you, you've learned how to disagree in a contextual way with each other. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting. Okay, wait, can I ask you this? Like, have there been times when you said you appreciate Joe's calmness and steadiness and uh, maybe even his ability to sometimes say, hey, it's enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you ever, even though you say you appreciate it, do you ever want him to match you in your outrage or your uh, emotion, whatever it is? yeah, Yeah, I can remember a specific time. I got invited to preach a sermon at a church the first time in my whole life and preach yeah. about human trafficking and all this stuff. And I was like, I mean, I, I don't think I can express how stinking excited I was. I was oh, yeah. over the top. Like, I can't believe God did you this. You wanted to this say something stinking. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> anyway, Joe's in the kitchen and I'm like, Joe, can you believe it? He's like, that's great, honey. I'm like, what? No. I'm like shaking him by the shoulders. Yeah. And he's like, it's good. And then we actually, and I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was just like, dude, jump through the front door screaming or something. Like, yeah. this is the biggest thing in a long time that's happened to me. And it's like a total over the top miracle of God. So I'm like this, except for more, because I'm screaming and jumping. And he's like, same Joe even keel, which is perfect when I'm depressed, perfect when I don't want to live in our house anymore, perfect when I'm like, I hate this job, I quit it. You know, I need someone to be stable and calm, but he was stable and calm and I'm like so excited. And so he actually told me later, he was like sad and he felt really bad that he couldn't match it. He's like, I just don't do that. I am excited for you. But when I say I'm excited for you, that's, that's what I do. That's what I mean. Yeah. And I'm so excited I felt for bad for him because I'm like, oh, he just like he can't do it. But that's what I love about him at other times. But no, that mm-hmm. was a time. And I just like still talking about it. I'm like, I thought everyone in the house would like throw an instant party because this was such a miracle. Right. But, oh, that's so interesting. I love yeah. that story. It paints such a good picture. Joe, do you have something that or uh, a response to my long winded question from before of like the what's remained consistent or different in, in from dating to marriage? Yeah. Well, first of all, just to flesh out what Jenny was saying a little bit, um, I think sometimes Jenny paints when she tells this part of things, she paints herself as the bad guy a little bit more than she mm-hmm. should. I mean, for example, with that whole conflict resolution piece, yeah, she wants to solve it right now and she's not willing to give me space. But one of the reasons why I need to become more like her is because my whole thought of just give me some space sometimes morphs into let's just never talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, because that's, I'm a conflict avoider. So we need each other in that sense. And we've kind of learned that both of us need to learn to meet in the middle and be uncomfortable in how we deal with conflict because neither one of us left to our own devices would deal with it in a very healthy way a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But no, kind of back to your question, I was talking to my oldest son the other day about my relationship with with his mom, with Jenny. And uh, I was just saying how, you know, at some point I was so excited in life to just do things with Jenny Mm. that it stopped mattering what it was. I just wanted to be with Jenny. 
so now I look at the things that we do together sometimes. I'm like, I don't, when, when did I start liking that? Yeah. And it's that it's, it's not that I like that. You know, I watch The Bachelor with her sometimes. I hate that show. Uh, excuse me, what is not to like? I hate that show. Um, and I think it I think it undermines all that we're trying to do here right now about talking about healthy relationships. But no, I, there are times when I just want to be with her and I want to do things yeah. with her and I want to make connections with her and laugh with her. And, you know, it stops mattering so much what you're doing and just that you're doing it together. And I guess the, the other side of that that could be a little tricky is I don't want to lose myself in the other person. I don't feel like I've lost myself or that I'm no longer me as much as I just think I so enjoy being around her that I'm often willing to do things. And it doesn't feel like I'm making a sacrifice. It doesn't, you know, it's not like I have to force myself to to do those things because I just I just enjoy life with her. And she's yeah. the person that I'd most rather I'd I, I always want to share things with her. I think that one of the things that's hard about my job now is that since we, you know, when I was the youth pastor and she was a youth leader, so much of life, so much of everything we were sharing together, because we'd go on a retreat and she was there too, yeah. you know, or we'd do a big New Year's Eve event and she was there too. And so now with me working at a school, she didn't get to share that part of life with me so much. And so I miss that, you know, I miss getting to do all sorts of things together. Right. And so I think that's cool. And I, the thing is that's hard is I don't know. I'm not a big soulmate person. I've never mm -hmm. thought along those lines that there's one person right. out there for you, but I college life is anti soulmate. Yeah. But I kind of feel yeah. like I can <laughs> say that that's our stand, but yeah. maybe hypocritically because I kind of feel like I lucked out. You yeah. know, and I found my soulmate, even though I don't really believe in that. Right. So I don't know. That probably undermines my anti soulmate stance. Yeah. I'm anti soulmate too. And then yet sometimes I look around and I'm like, I can't imagine being, I like, I sort of think about it, it's like, I honestly just couldn't imagine being married to anyone else. Or like, I just like, I don't think I would like it. <laughs> I think I really like being married to Katie. I don't think I would like being married to other people, even people I like, you know. Well, that's great. Okay, that seems like a great place to to stop the the conversation and uh, move to something uh, America's favorite segment. It's called Quarantine Corner. Dun, dun, dun. What we do on this segment, we give people what they want. They they're they're begging for something to do or something to experience during quarantine. It should be stated, by the way. I was going to do this at the front end that you guys are on different Zoom screens right now because Jenny Biggs, you currently have COVID nineteen in your body. <laughs> COVID. COVID, yeah, um, or COVID, Which is sad. Yeah. You know why? Because I'm like weeping in here over what Joe just said, and I want him to come in here and kiss me hard uh, on the mouth. It's also can't. sad, called life, and I don't know whether this will make the cut or not, but it's sad because <laughs> we've had to be celibate for the last week. So, you know, we've yeah. been talking about celibacy sad. to some extent, and here we are practicing it again. For America. Yep. You're doing your part. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm going to go first because mine is honestly. Wait, you have to come up with something every time? Yeah, oh, I know. Thank dang. you. Very few people have commented on like, I'm sure that's hard to do. It is really hard to do. My life's not that interesting. I had a hard time okay? coming up with one thing. Yeah. So my new routine in life, 
in the morning, uh, make some coffee. I got a coffee grinder for Christmas, and I also got something else for my brother. This was a genius gift. Joe, if I'm not mistaken, you're a fan of iced coffee. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, iced coffee all the you way. You are. So the problem with making iced coffee at home, right, is that you generally want to make you make hot coffee, and then you have to deal with the dilution problem with the ice, right? right? Or you can do like a, I'm going to make cold brew over like 36 hours. Yeah. Like some ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. So my brother got me this thing for Christmas called the hyper chiller. Do you have any idea what this is? Mm, no. It's this little, it's this, it's this unimpressive, I'll be honest, looking canister thing with two separate chambers. Essentially is like an outer chamber that you fill with, fill with water and freeze. And like an inner, inner chamber that you fill with water and freeze. And then between that is where you put literally like honestly from the drip coffee machine, piping hot coffee into it. And it will be cold, ice cold. Within Without like, diluting at all. With, that, with like 90, in like 90 seconds. Whoa. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. So you fill those things with water and then you put it in the freezer. And then in the morning you pull it out and you fill it up, whatever. And it's one of those things that's like, there is just absolutely no way this works. And I tell you, it works. And so I've been enjoying nice coffee in the morning. Hyper chiller. I'll put the link in the show notes. Nice. That's what you say in the Seriously, business. Seriously, Joe needs yeah. one. Yeah. That's what you say in the business. Yeah. What do you got for a quarantine corner? Give the people what they want. Who's going first? Joe. Oh, Joe, why don't you go first? Okay, so what I like to do, what I found that I like to do during quarantine is a shared Zoom crossword puzzle. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. And so some of you, I don't know if any of you know Steve Halfley. He goes to our church, uh, to, goes to FBC as well, former college lifer. So we have done several crossword puzzles on Zoom. It's a little, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that those of you who are not 50 could probably think of a lot more efficient tech ways to do this. But I just keep taking pictures of the crossword puzzle after I've like written <laughs> clues in. And then I, I share my screen uh, with, uh, Steve. And, and so we just do the crossword puzzle together. I've also done it once with my mom <laughs> and I feel like I'd be a better son if I did it more often with her. Cause I think she, yeah. she probably appreciated that. But, uh, but yeah, zoom, we talking zoom New York times, puzzle. New York times for sure. Wow. I'm not, I feel like I can do only Monday and Tuesday and then I'm basically tapped out intelligence wise. Uh, yeah. I mean, the others are harder. You have to, and I, you know, I'm not saying that I never cheat. But I, yeah, I, um, I definitely. Oh, I don't have my book here near me. I definitely uh, like to buy the book because then I don't have to. W if I'm doing the newspaper, then you have to wait for the next day for the answers to come out, and that's lame. You know, if I want to yeah. see an answer, I want to see it right now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. Joe, you know that the internet is a bountiful place of answers. You're aware <laughs> of that. Uh, well, yeah, but you know, I don't always have my computer with me when I'm doing a crossword puzzle. You do when you do it on Zoom. Yeah, it's but true. I'm saying, but then when I'm doing it on Zoom, I got my crossword book that I have normally anyway. He's old school. Yeah, he's old school. That's what I like. Okay, yeah. I love crosswords. I, Big fan. I was an adult, Peter, before the interweb. <laughs> before I, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know we went through college with none of I that. I remember this. Is, no sorry, cell phones. Big big segue here, or big uh, big uh, uh, rabbit trail. Yeah, tangent. tangent yes, yeah. non sequitur. I was studying for my teaching credential and we had to take a, an educational technology class. And the teacher is just going on and on and on about this thing called email. And I'm just like, <laughs> what in the world is this guy talking about? This is so dumb. Who would ever communicate like this? I legitimately thought that. 
I was so bored <laughs> that I accidentally had, I was fiddling around on the interweb. I didn't even know what it was, you know, at the time, but I found, yeah. uh, Captain Kirk, um, what's his name? Uh, William Shatner, Shatner singing Mr. Tambourine Man. And I started playing it in the middle of class with the volume <laughs> on, not knowing like this was all going to happen. Right. Uh, yeah. I was so bored. We do sound like old. I people. was so bored about his talk of this email, and uh, yeah, so that's that's me, Peter. I grew up. Jokes on you. I grew up in an yeah. analog in an analog age. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, crosser puzzles are awesome. I couldn't recommend them highly enough. Um, also, jumbles. I'm a big jumble oh, fan. I've done the jumble. Yeah. 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 Jenny, what about you? What's your quarantine corner? Uh, my quarantine corner is this. Please do not tell Governor Gavin Newsom or any nurse, doctor, or medical worker that you know. But I'll tell you what, if you live with someone really great, you should probably get COVID because I have been waited on hand and foot for a week. I'm here right now sitting on top of my bed with the uh, mug from earlier from the coffee I got brought. And then later I got brought some cereal because I felt like that. And I haven't been able to leave my master bedroom at all. So I'm just saying, if you got to pass the time, during quarantine, if you have it, you yeah. have to do all this stuff. That's right. You have right. to do all this stuff. Read books, be on the internet, watch The Bachelor. You're the whatever. ultimate authority on quarantine. You I'm are, just saying. Yeah. I mean, I have a mild case, so like sometimes I feel cruddy and I sleep all day, but mostly I feel okay, kind of, and so I recommend it in the mild form. But you don't get to pick, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So probably – don't get COVID. I don't recommend it. Yeah. I yeah. say don't, but I'm just saying. Yeah, you Joe could, says if you live with someone awesome. Here's the <laughs> yeah. other especially thing. Why am have, I even saying? Especially when you have children yes. and a job. This is what I'm saying, actually. Forget the getting COVID part. Just if you don't have a family, you can still do all those things without having COVID. You can read or play on your phone true. or do yeah. something like that. You don't have to get COVID. I'm just forced to not be a mom or a teacher right now. What if uh, college lifers, you could take turns, you could take turns in your apartment, you know, if you're, if you're living with your friends, yes. you could, you could take turns waiting hand and foot on each other. You yes. could pretend to have like COVID. One day, have, one day could it's be you the COVID and person. it's your day and they, everybody's just going to, you know, every yes. hour they're going to pop in your room and say, what can I bring That's you right. to eat and drink? That's a great idea. Well, Jenny, I hope that you feel better and you're free of it and that um, Joe um, can can get back to maybe not being um, father and teacher and uh, ultimate yeah. waiter. But before we go, um, Jenny, your job is really awesome, and I didn't mention it at the top, but um, do you want to have just a little bit of time just to tell us uh, about the Do Good Shop and yes. tell people? Yeah, yeah. I do. Hey, College Life friends. I also used to be in College Life way back in the day when Joe and I were dating. And about five years ago, God gave me this really exciting idea to start a nonprofit, and it's called Do Good Shop. And so if you go to dogoodshop.org, every single thing you see for sale at that website has been made by someone who's escaping sex trafficking or homelessness, forced labor, some form of exploitation or poverty. And 100% of the profits go back to the artisans who made the items to give them a hand up out of the oppression that they were in. And so basically, if you get rescued from trafficking, that's great that you're out. 
But if you don't have a job with money and a place to live and different things supporting you to be able to stay out while you're getting therapy, especially, then you'll end up, the rate of going back is really high. So what we're trying to do at Do Good Shop is connect everyday shoppers like all of us, because we all buy things, and try and connect the products that the artisans are making with us who are shopping and give the artisans a hand up and give us some really cool stuff that comes with a purpose. And yeah, that's what we do. So you're a college student. You might not have tons of money, but you do probably have Instagram. Um, You probably don't have Facebook because that's old now, but if you do, that (laughs) works too. Um, And I just went on Snapchat with Do Good Shop, so that's there. But one thing you can do for free to support um, the mission that we're going after here is to go to Instagram or go to Snapchat and like or share or comment on the different posts that we make. And that gives us kind of a free boost in the social media world so more people will see us. But thanks for listening. Again, it is dogoodshop.org or just dogoodshop at um, Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, The great thing is like giving a gift that has that sort of story attached to it is so fun because you get to give the gift and they love the item. And then you also get to tell them the story and you sort of, there's a little bit of like a, if you're, if you're into this kind of thing, there's a little bit of, I'm sort of cool because I gave you this cool gift. Like with this like cool story attached to it. It's like like like, two gifts. It's a win, win, win. It's a win, win, win. That's what I say. And I'm always like too, even if the people hate the product, that you got them, which is rare, but, but then it goes (laughs) to, it helps someone anyway. So even if they threw it in the trash, which they won't, but even if they did, you're still helping someone. Right. Or if they pass it on to re-gift or whatever, I'm like, no matter what, it helps someone, but the gifts are awesome too. So it's probably not going to happen. So we're big fans of do good shop and the bigs. Thank you both for spending time with us. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you. That was fun. Well, that's it for the podcast, and that's it for the relationship series. But seriously, a major, special, big-time thank you to the bigs. Joe finished work at 5.30, and we recorded at 5.45. And Jenny had freaking COVID, and she still came to bless our podcast and our ministry. So thank you so much. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily the plan to talk so much about the physical aspect of relationships, but I'm glad we did because it allowed us to put a pretty nice bow on this series to make sure we covered a lot of the grounds of relationships. And like I said a million times, we were never intending to give hard and fast truths in this series, but we were trying to see what people's stories could tell us about the wisdom of relationships, how to do them well, what might be some things to avoid. And I hope you thought it was helpful. I hope that both your vision of what healthy relationships can look like has expanded, but has also been sharpened. So thank you so much to the couples. Thank you to Christian and Olivia and to Brant and Anda and to Joe and Jenny. Man, what a dinner party that would be. And thank you as always, of course, to Josh Paskey and Kyle Jung for the music of your pod and your staff. It is top shelf. And thank you to Mike Loretto for making us sound good with your laborious editing work. And Mike is awesome. Visit his website, MikeLorettoCoaching.com for info on him and his spiritual coaching gig. And next week, we start our new series on themes in the epistles, and there are some heavy hitters coming. But to close for now, College Life, we love you even more than Joe Biggs seems to have a thing for women named Jenny. We'll see you next week. <laughs>